Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. The podcast network is back because Alex Wong is back. Uh, producer and co-host Alex, you and I have already spent the morning together. This is the afternoon right now. We're recording on Wednesday. Free agency begins Friday at 6 p.m. Officially, it's already unofficially under uh, underway. We will talk about all the rumors that we've heard about today. Um, but Alex, before we get into that, what, what have we been doing um, all morning? Yeah, before we even get into that, I think you should let the listeners know that this is a very special day for you and that you're wearing a normal size hat that fits you. Well, first off, it's a it's a large XL, which I, I don't know what that means because large and XL to me are like distinctly their own sizes. But yeah, it's a large XL. Shouts to Craig um, at Patois who apparently makes them for himself. Um, he got these made. It's like a blue and orange hat. It's supposed to match some Jordans that he wanted to wear. But he's also got big head syndrome like me. So he just made his own hats. And then upon hearing of my plight, or maybe just seeing my head in person, he's like, yeah, okay, I got you. And then, yeah, he surprised me with a gift. So I'm wearing this hat. You know, I'm trying to make it into a regular thing. I know you're kind of thrown off the fact that I'm wearing a hat. No, the straps on the back are intact. And I can confirm. It's it's at five out of seven right now. Yeah. People have seen Will in uh, different variations of hats. And like most hats have have looked like they were trying to eat his head. But in this case, he looks like a normal human being in a hat. So I'm like, I'm thrilled for you because I know you're not a hat guy. Mm. You've got your, you know, ponytail flow going uh, for for the last couple of years here. But can you see, could you see yourself becoming a hat guy now? Now that you know that the LXL option is available for you. So I think first off, um, I, I realize the appeal of hats now. I think like if you have a bad hair day or like you don't really want to put too much investment into it, you put the hat on or like, you know, you can match it to your gear, I suppose. But I think more than anything else, like just having to prepare your hair is like pretty time consuming thing. And if you can just put a cap on it, like, you know, I could see it. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm discovering hats at the age of 30, but I'm happy it's happening at least. No, I'm happy for you. Um, this is going to add one more thing for you at the mall when you take your grandfather to Foot Locker um, oh, to, to try to buy $120, $180 shoes, which apparently was a little too expensive for you to, to gift an important member of your family. You know what? Okay. We, we can save this banter for later as well. Oh, okay. But, because there's a lot of free agency news. But I also think that like, yeah, I mean, shouts to um, the people I met at Square One. Uh, we had like, my grandpa decided it was like, you know, you always treat us to dinner. So, um, I want to treat you guys, but I was like, legitimately, I, with all due respect, do you even have money? Like, you know, do you have the the capacity to spend money and all that kind of stuff? So I take him to a bank first. He had to remember his CIBC password, all that kind of stuff. Got the cash in hand, went to dim sum, which uh, we just had dim sum an hour ago as well. So a lot of dim sum in the course of 72 hours. Um, and he was a little humbled. I feel like he was not used to 2023 pricing. Um, I think he was expecting the meal to be $60 and it was double that. So he was a little bit shocked. But then afterwards he was on a wave and he's like, you really want shoes. Can you take me to get some shoes? And we're like, all right, we're, 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 we're by Emerald restaurant in, in like here, Ontario and Eglinton area. So square one is just like literally down the road, five minutes. So we're like, all right, we'll take him to square one. And he goes into sport check. He goes into foot locker. He looks at the sneakers and look, the whole time I knew I wasn't going to, he was, I wasn't going to let him buy any of this stuff. Not, not because like, you know, it's that expensive, 
but I just wanted to know like what he would want and then just order something on SVP that's like 50% off, 60% off the store price. Um, and then, yeah, immediately upon seeing him walk into, so this is like, you know, like Joe LaPuma does, um, uh, sneaker shopping or whatever with complex, the guy who kind of looks like uh, a less handsome, um, Faisal Kamisa. He's like, yo, what kind of shoes do you want? And then fat Joe's like, you know, um, I like, Dick Joe's like, let me lick this shoe. He's like, I want Dick from Kansas. Um, Well, Miami's nice, but I like Dick. Um, shouts, man, shouts, shouts to Grady Dick. He's already given up so much content without even playing. Um, but yeah, he, he's like, it, it, it was like sneaker shopping, but with like an, an, an 89 year old and we're in sport check and he immediately walks towards these air maxes that are 180 bucks. And I was just like, no, grandpa, we're not going to get you those. Like, I'm sorry, but I, I know a website where it's a lot cheaper and he's like, oh, okay. And he kind of understands, you know what I mean? He's from that era where, you know, cheap is better. Um, yeah, so, you, you're looking out for him, you know? You're yeah. looking out for him, and, and, and um, no, that's great. Um, and then also, we went to the sport check. We went to the Foot Locker afterwards, and as soon as we walked in, uh, a guy walked up to me. He's like, yo, Will, from Sports Center, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, by the way, bro, just before we say anything else, my grandpa's not going to buy anything, so please do not help us. Don't waste your time, all right? <laughs> I know it's busy. It's Saturday at, 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 at Square One. It's going to be busy. Show us to the person who tracked me down this weekend and asked me if I was a comedian that he saw last night. <laughs> The answer is you are is, not uh, Phil Wang. No, I'm not Leonard Chang <laughs> or whoever I might have been confused with. But yeah. um, anyways, um, you know, speaking of, you know, cheap is good. Uh, what isn't going to be cheap is uh, Fred Van Vliet's uh, contract God damn. that what, he's what going transition. to be signing. Uh, and, we, and we will update at the end on, on, our, uh, on our busy day, but like focusing on free agency now. Mm. Um, so I know you talked about this a little bit with Blake Murphy yesterday, breaking down the salary cap situation, the scenarios of, of how Fred and Jakob Pertle, which we're going to talk about, might be able to, to come back. So, you know, uh, Mark Stein reported today that the Rockets are expected to offer Fred a contract of two years worth $83 million. I know Jake Fisher had mentioned this last week too, talking to you about the Rockets potentially getting into the race for Fred by, by offering him like huge amounts, um, you know, of, of, of annual money over two years, uh, two years, 83 million from the Houston Rockets. Uh, what are your thoughts on this offer? I mean, I, I still struggle not with, you know, whether or not, uh, not, not whether or not Mark Stein is legit or not. Cause obviously he's very legit. Um, it's all that kind of stuff. I think I'm struggling with the idea of like, any team offering Fred that much money, even if it's short term, even if only two years, even if it's like a one year blue payment, the second year probably player option, you know, kind of thing. Like, it's just kind of wild to me. Like, I, you know, you could say what you want about Fred. I, I think there's definitely varying opinions on what is affecting this as a player, but I think it's universal that it's not at a max level production. And I think that the Rockets even know that because the offer is just for two years. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even like, I don't. Even, I don't even know. First off, if I'm Fred, I, I I blame him not at all. If you want, if the money's real and he and the offer's there, I don't blame him for taking that offer whatsoever. That's so much money. You know what I mean? You how many times do you get to see an undrafted player become a max player, right? And that's something that he could say. And also, that's a lot of money. And also, it's from an untaxed state, all that kind of stuff. So it's extra money. I don't even know. But to me, I'm just like, is that money really real? Because I think for Houston. Obviously, they have this strong incentive to move into this next era. They're making a lot of noise. They were talking about James Harden. Remember on Christmas Day, you know, James Harden is walking in the arena dressed as the Grinch, and Woj is on TV being like, he's going to go to the Houston for the max. Yeah, and now that appears to be dead. 
now he appears to be returning yeah. to Philadelphia by all accounts. Right. And, and so, like, there was a lot of noise made there. So I, I do wonder if there's another scenario where not a lot of noise is made, but they ultimately move on. But even in their scenario, and obviously Houston is a, in, in, a, in, a, um, in a spot where they have a ton of money, they got a hole to burn, you got to spend at least 90% of the cap. And also they have a, such a weak team that you can pretty much upgrade any position and you can justify it. But, like... Are they really going to do that for Fred Van Vliet? Like, are you really going to spend 40-plus million dollars per year on Fred? And and what are you expecting out of him to, to come into your franchise and change everything, to be your star player, to make an all-star team? Like, I don't even think that that's that realistic. There's a very slim chance of that even happening for him in Houston. And so if that's the case, how do you justify to your fan base that you're spending this much money on one guy? Does it also not take you out of the race for signing up for like a Brooke Lopez who they've been linked to or like a Dylan Brooks who they've been linked to? So to me, I look, listen, I think Houston has all the money in the world to pretty much do whatever. And if they choose to throw all this money at Fred, I don't blame Fred for taking it. I'm just a little confused from Houston's perspective. Like, who are you even bidding against? I mean, obviously you're bidding against Toronto, but like, are you bidding so like what is Toronto's best offer? And are you beating that by like 10 million? Because that's what it feels like. I can't imagine Toronto's offering more than 30 even low 30s on a, and on average and you're you're coming in with an offer of 43 per year like is it really you have to give them 10 extra million just to come to your city for two years it just all of it doesn't like quite compute with me so again it's not me questioning the reporting but it just seems kind of almost ridiculous and that's no disrespect to fred but i i, I don't think he's a max player yeah but i think from like a houston standpoint like you know you give them the two years you've brought in ime you know, you assume that with a new head coach, even with a younger roster, that, you know, there's going to be, you know, a push towards more just maturity and, like, overall play. And it's like, if you look at the free agent market, like, is there another guard out there? Like, if you're looking for a starting point guard. Like, I know Kyrie Irving is out there, but I think the expectation is that he's going to return to Dallas. Like, if you want to bring in a vet, like, and they've got, like, what, I think, like, 60 million in cap space. So even if you give, like, say, 40 to Fred... You still got that money to go and get, uh, you know, a Brooke Lopez or, or a Dylan Brooks um, or something like that. And maybe you just throw that money and sign them to these two-year deals. Like, it's not like it's not like crazy to me from, like, Houston's perspective. But you're not even getting people who are invested in your program, per se. Like, you're literally so, signing them for a two-year thing, and it's a huge payment. I wonder how that plays with the rest of the players on the team. I suppose that doesn't matter to them. Um, but like it just feels unnatural. Like if you brought in Kyrie for a two-year like max deal, at least I would understand. Like Kyrie is a max level player when he's on the court and producing. Um, but it doesn't quite make sense to me to do kind of. It, also, imagine you had sixty million to shop with, and you came home with Fred and Dylan Brooks. Like you're literally they might though, but I think like those are literally like two of the worst effective field goal percentage players in the entire league. And that's not me trying to like reduce Fred's effectiveness just to effective field goal percentage. But you are bringing together, like, genuinely two of the least efficient high-volume scores. Now, they both bring other things. Dylan, obviously, is a great defender. Fred is good defender, distributes, good leadership guy, all that other stuff that, that factors into it. But, like, you're overpaying Fred by, like, $10 million at least. And you're overpaying Dylan probably by, like, $10 million as well. And, again, that's not, like, a headline kind of thing. It's not like Houston's going to rally around this new team centered with these guys. Like, does that put you in the play-in position? I don't really think so. Right, you take this current Houston Rockets squad, you put Fred and Dylan on it. I don't think that gets you to the play-in even. That doesn't get you to the playoffs, especially in the Western Conference. Like we saw the Lakers in the play-in. Like they're nowhere close to being as good as the Lakers. You know what I mean? So it's it's all kind of confusing to me. Other than just like I guess the other thing is, well, it's all for two years, so maybe we just throw the money and forget about it. But that's not a plan. 
No, but you I feel like you're giving the Houston front office too much credit here though. Maybe. I like 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 I think they're they've obviously got the mandate to to take Tillman Fertitta's money um that he made from the food in the bubble um and, and to go and like buy like two free agents that they can bring in. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. Fred does feel like at the top of the list. Like if you look at like the other guys out there like well, obviously, why not Chris Middleton for that money? Yeah, would, would you rather have Fred for two years at the max or Chris Middleton? Yeah, for but then I also, think a two-year deal you don't even get their full rights afterwards. Although I suppose once you pay them the max, you have the flexibility to pay them whatever. Right. But regardless, but again, but again, you're giving Houston credit for like having that long-term like planning, though. Sure, I guess I, I think their plan is to just go out there, spend this money, and really target specific positions, like specific needs and stuff. And like in this case, I think they want this point guard with leadership. And even if it's like a flawed player on the floor, even if it doesn't even get them to the play-in and stuff, like I think they just need to like it's change so the direction of their team. Though. No, it is. It is. <laughs> like it's so, it is. I don't but know, man. It, just, it does make sense to me because it's the Rockets, though. Sure. Yeah. Like, no, like they're I, I, clearly I, okay. pivoting from like the James Harden thing, which seems like it's sailed now. And, and now this might be, a, if anything, if I'm the Raptors, though, or if I'm part of the Raptors fan base that like wants Fred to come back, like... I feel pretty encouraged by this just because, like, what other offers are there out there for Fred? And Toronto's really the, like, Toronto's the team that can offer him the more years. Mm. Like, I know Houston's trying to bump up, obviously, the annual value up to, like, $40 million, But if you're Fred, you look, like you said, you look at that Houston situation, you go there for two years, like, what are you really going to be building there? Also, if you struggle there mm-hmm. and you don't make any impact, are you going to be able to make nearly as much money after that deal? Right. You know what I mean? Like John Wall, I mean, whatever. Different scenarios with John Wall and Russell Westbrook going to Houston all the years. But like they come there as max players making 40 plus million. And then what is their stock after leaving there? You know what I mean? And those guys are more injury plagued or whatever, but they also have way more of an all-star history and all that kind of stuff. The pedigree is much larger than Fred's. They go there. They get not the Houston stink because this now just sounds like we're salty about the situation. And again, I'm not salty if Fred moves on. I'm salty in terms of if Fred goes to Houston, you are not getting a sign-in trade. At best, you might get, like, Kevin Porter Jr. or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's – I'm good, right? So, um, even if he moved to a different – like, even if he were to leave, I'd much rather him leave to anywhere else from Toronto's perspective because you can then maybe orchestrate a sign-in trade. With them having that much money, they don't need to give you anything. So, you just get taking a full loss instead of getting, like, a partial return. You know what I mean? So, um, so yes, I am – I am coming from the perspective of, like, I want him to go, if he leaves in free agency to anywhere else, not to Houston because they won't give you anything. But also at the same time, I just I – mean, even for Fred, like, you have to think about it in terms of, like, okay, the money's good for two years. There's no, there's no doubt. The max money from undrafted, you know, like, that's, that's amazing. But what's that going to do for your profile when you hit free agency again at the age of 31? First of all, you're not done. You're probably looking for another long-term deal when you're 31. But what kind of profile are you entering the market with if you've just lost, you know – 100-plus games the last two years with Houston. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. And I think the other thing, too, I think you mentioned this yesterday, too, is, like, where ultimately does Fred want to be at this point in his career, right? And, like, in in the context of, like, this Toronto team, like, we heard some quotes towards the end of the year that I think he gave to Steve Bullpit at, at Heavy.com mm. about just, like, oh, like, guys um, just have to grow up on their own terms. Like, sometimes it's hard to, to be the one leader in the locker room, uh, basically paraphrasing, um, like him voicing some of that frustration. Um, if Fred was being offered, I don't know, like a four-year deal to come back, the money's right, like around $30 million a year, whatever it is. I wonder too, like with the Houston offer out there, whatever else might come up, it's like, you know, how appealing is it for Fred to come back on with the same roster, 
with the same roster, a, a different head coach? Because like, does Fred's role change that much from last year to this year, like relative to the other guys on the team? Like in terms of Pascal, Scotty, OG and all these guys. So like, you know, how much of an appetite does he have given how last season went of coming back and believing that, hey, things can be different? Because he was clearly frustrated himself as well with his role yeah, yeah, for with sure. like, you know, maybe certain teammates and things like that. So I wonder like how much of that might push him towards going somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the things that people are applying to Darko might also apply to Fred in the sense that like, you know, people keep talking about Darko coming in, giving role definition. I remember... Uh, By the way, we're asking Darko to do a lot. I feel oh, like. yeah. No. I feel like every time a problem that we've had about the Raptors come up, we're like, yo, Darko's going to fix that. Yeah, we're making Darko the main character like he's Harry Potter at this point. Like, he's he's got to walk around and, 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 and kill Voldemort. Um, spoiler alert, sorry. But, um, like, he... You know, I remember um, talking to Fred, and this was um, in a scrum setting, I think, like, shortly, maybe on Boxing Day or maybe the day after Boxing Day or something like that. But went down to practice, um, and it wasn't even filmed for some reason. It was weird. Maybe everyone was just on vacation. Again, it was around Christmas. Um, and I and I talked to Fred in the, in the scrum setting about sort of asking about this new role that he was being put in at the start of the season. Obviously, at the end of the season, I think he regained pretty much the whole role that he had previously but at the start of the season, you know, there was more off-ball, and I asked him about it. And one of the que- – I was like – you know, I, I asked him specifically on the follow-up question, how did Nick communicate this role change to you? And he said he didn't really communicate it. You know what I mean? I kind of read in between the lines. And so I was thinking, I was like, okay, well, if that's sort of the approach towards, um, you know, even a veteran like Fred, I, I do wonder if, like, you know, that communication was to sort of applied to everyone else. So you could say, like, maybe you put him in a different role. I think my thing with that is just like, okay, so – I would also love for someone to be someone other than Fred to be your end of the shot clock, get a shot, get a bucket guy. Right. Um, I would also love for more playmaking to be um, done by players other than Fred and Pascal, who feels like they do like 80% of it in in, in this team. Um, But like, a, is there the aptitude from the other players to accept and take on bigger roles? Is there the skill involved to actually do it and again the bar isn't that high like with all due respect to fred we're not talking about one of the most skilled playmakers in the league he has a large volume of it he does a lot of it relative to the rest of the team i think he's actually sort of pretty good at it but relative to the league average especially for players who are one of the main creators he's obviously not one of those guys that you would say is like i don't even know man even premium for a point guard like he's not as good at playmaking as steph or Kyrie or trey young or you know Darius Garland, like you can go down the list really. Right. Um, and so I want other guys to sort of take on that role, but also at the same time, I, I think I need to see like skill jumps in addition to the coach putting them in those positions. And I'm looking at Scotty in particular, I think along with everybody else, everyone wants Scotty to take the mantle and make the next step forward. And I want to do that. I, like I want him to be a, at least able to take some of that from Fred and Pascal while they're on the team. Cause it's like, if I need to move Pascal or move Fred so that more looks can be physical, like forcibly given to Scotty, that doesn't make sense to me because I think for me, like if you're going to be a great player in this league and I believe that with Scotty, you're going to have to be able to pl- not just play with other great players or, but, but like you need to be able to be better than Pascal and Scotty or, and then, then Fred, let's be honest about that. Right. So I don't, I don't want to see a scenario where guys are cleared out so that he gets the ball quote unquote, when I'm like, you should just beat out these guys who aren't 
even that 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 top tier. Like we're not saying you got to take the ball out of LeBron or Giannis's hands. We're talking you, you got to you know play better as a playmaker than Fred consistently. And I believe in that from him. And I actually want a point guard like Fred who can play off ball, who can defend his position, all that other kind of stuff uh, around for that. But again, like I'm not I'm not saying I'm not paying 40 million for that. That's ridiculous. I'm not I'm even questioning whether or not you know, I want to pay 30 million for it, quite honestly. But like if it's three years, 90 million dollars, I'm I'm actually I think that's a sensible deal from Toronto to retain Fred. Um, but if the option is like 390 versus 284, I mean, realistically, you might take the gamble if you're Fred. And also, I think maybe it's a case of like, okay, if one team clearly values me at the max, you having seen me do these things for you and, you know, won a championship here and was a big part of that or like, you know, made an all-star team and definitely was the best player for the first half of last season. Like, do you value my progression here as much as that? Like, I do think that when you have that sort of other comparable rival uh, offer, it does, uh, you know, make – Put it, it does put things in perspective. But again, I, I still think, like, if I still struggle to believe that that's real. You know what I mean? Is that a real contract on the table that Houston's going to no, pay? No, I think it's real. It's, it's Houston, man. I, I guess. It's Houston. But I'm just saying, if I were an agent, and if I were an agency who has a lot of access to the, the press, and every agency has access to the press, let's be honest, but it's sort of like, if I was an agency that already essentially had Fred decline his option, turn it into a TV special, which is what happened, right? Um, and, and other sort of things associated with this sort of like game of free agency, I would also point to the Houston Rockets and say, you know, this is the competitor. I feel like every agent should be saying if they have a major free agent that's going to sign for more than like the minimum or like the mid-level or whatever, I might be linked to Houston. You know what I mean? Because there's a real threat there. Whether or not they actually want to do it, I mean, you still need to create that leverage in the first place. No, that's fair. Um, so Michael Granger, an article, had a bit more detail, too. He said that one league source said that, quote, everyone outside the Raptors seem to think that Fred is leaving. But then also this league source added, but if you're an agent, that's what you want everyone to say, like you mentioned. And also mm -hmm. that the notion of a $40 million per year offer for Fred has yet to materialize, although the Rockets' interest in the Raptors' point guard is very much real and the last point is that the Raptors remain confident they can reach an agreement with Fred and feels that he does want to stay in Toronto, but they are not in a position to match a forty million dollar. No, we and a hundred percent not because essentially forty three million, as we covered yesterday with Blake, that is the budget for two players. Mm -hmm. So there's no way you're going to give that to just Fred. Like if that's the case, you move on from it. Now at that point, if you do retain Jakob at around twenty. Um, and you let Fred walk because he gets this, this. The offer is actually real from Houston, and he actually leaves. Then you do have like the mid level open up, so that's around like eleven, twelve million that you can offer per year, and you can shop in that range as a replacement for Fred. So I am curious in terms of okay, if that's the case, what's your plan B? And I know the front office has plan Bs because I have to hope that they have plan Bs because if you don't, this would be ridiculous. Um, I don't know what it is particularly. I thought. You know, Jake Fisher pointed out today that you can keep an eye out for Toronto um, as a Gabe Vincent suitor if uh, if Fred does walk. Yeah, because he's because he per the market he's being valued around ten million a year right now. Okay, all right. So, you know, I mean, if I'm Miami, I would try to do that. Like, I would try to hold on to him. That seems like a very reasonable deal for Gabe Vincent, um, especially for a guy who has really progressed over the course of his career. I mean. Gabe Vincent has a bit of a Fred Van Vliet-esque uh, trajectory to him in the first place. Um, 
also on drafted, also being mentored by Kyle. Um, low key old. Yeah, how old is Gabe? Twenty seven. Okay. So you know, I mean, he hasn't been in the league that long, but you know, he is twenty seven. But uh, you know, obviously, he he's he's burned the Raptors a couple times. We've seen some really big moments from Gabe over the course of the playoffs. But kind of similar to Fred, you know what I mean? Like low efficiency, three volume three point shooter, but can hit like a variety of shots, playing on ball, off ball, pull up threes. He's what thirty four percent from three over his career, so that's lower than Fred. Um, thirty nine point nine percent career field goal percentage, pretty much the same as Fred. I would say he has a little bit better of a like in between kind of game as Fred, but that's not saying a lot. Fred's Let's be clear, this would be a downgrade. No, this would be a like downgrade. if you're losing Fred, and I think that's the sure. other issue with this situation, right? It's like. What are your alternatives, especially like at point guard? And if you're stalking, starting to talk about like a Gabe Vincent or maybe moving the money around, making trades for like, I don't know, man, like Monty Morris, DeLon Wright, like all these guys who might be available. I mean, to be fair, I'd, I'd actually rather have Gabe Vincent than DeLon Wright sure. and Monty Morris. In sure, no, me yeah. too. But it's like, man, that's that's tough for the Raptors too, right? Like suddenly yeah, now yeah. you have this like gaping hole at, at point guard. Yeah, and, and I think for me, you, with Fred leaving, you would open up even more opportunities for Scotty to step into more playmaking. Essentially, you're, again, you're forcing his hand. You're giving more to Pascal's plate. I feel like Pascal's plate's already pretty full, but let's just add on a little bit more. Um, but I think you still want like a stopgap kind of point guard who can kind of not be your full-time playmaker, not be handling that much of the playmaking volume, even as compared to Fred. like You would probably want him to take on 50% of Fred's playmaking volume. Um, you still want somebody who can, you know, shoot the ball, handle the ball in, in tight pressure, run a pick and roll, all that kind of stuff. It'd be a big role for for Gabe because I think Gabe primarily right now, even though he's been a point guard and he's point guard sized, um, has played a lot of. I think maybe part of the reason why his price is in the mid level uh, mid level range is because of the fact that Miami doesn't play a lot of traditional pick and rolls. You notice, right? Especially not out of their point guards. Kyle runs pick and roll because that's Kyle, right? But like even Kyle's not like shooting that much they're mostly hitting the role man they play through bam they play through jimmy they play dip, dribble handoffs they have all these off ball actions like and so for gabe they've almost used them more like a, a shooting guard than they've used them like a, a point guard in particular and so coming to toronto i mean maybe he has the same role as miami would be run the same offense but realistically he would have to run more pick and roll it'd be much more of a featured playmaker and we'll see i mean i like Gabe vincent i respect Gabe vincent this is like a decent fred replacement um but again, I, I think even if it's the mid-level, which is the most the Raptors could realistically offer him, um, why wouldn't Miami just match that? And why wouldn't Gabe just stay with Miami? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like at this point, are it's you not, happy? It's not like it's not a thrilling thing to be like, oh, Fred's gone, but we got Gabe Vincent. No, no, it's, no, no, it's no. not that, thrilling. That at doesn't all. excite me at all. Um, so, are you happy at this point if Fred comes back on a four-year deal, thirty mil a year? I would love for that third, for that fourth year to be a team option or partial guarantee. Um, I think I prefer three year, quite frankly. I, again, again, if it was three ninety, I think it's a sensible bit of business. You know, I think you got value on the first two years of that, and then well, third year we'll see. Um, but that three years ninety seems like a tradable contract. Seems like one that you can pivot off of. Um, seems like one that you can get value from. You know, like. How much did Mike Conley make this last year? Probably like 30-ish. You know yeah, what I mean? Maybe that, and, that, and that's yeah. old Mike Conley, right? We're talking about like Mike Conley's 35, 36, making 30. Like that was a you know contract where you're able to get a first round pick. So I'd I'd probably stick to 
that as my preference. I might be go up to three one hundred if it's absolutely necessary, but other than that, I'm, I'm. So you're trying to keep it to three years. Yeah, and and listen, I, I also want to see like how real is it? You know what I mean? Because in poker terms, right now, the Houston Rockets, you see like two of you know two of the same suit on on the flop, and they're representing like they got a flush draw, and I'm like, I kind of want to see it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm oh, the whole, Rockets are representing every hand right now. Yeah, they're like, yeah, I'm representing a full house right now, or like I'm representing like a royal flush, and I'm just like, all right, like. I kind of want to see it because right now I'm holding I'm holding trips, so I'll lose to you if it, if you really got the flush. But I, I right now I don't know. Right now I don't know. This is like a big bet after the flop. But yeah. if, I, if I'm Bobby Masai, I want to take it to the next step where it's like one free agency really begins and Fred really takes a meeting with Houston and Houston really says here's all this money and here's the money in our bank to show you that this money's real too. All right, he's gonna sell two Mortons to make this money happen. All right. And then Fred comes back to Toronto and says, okay, what do you got? At that point, I'd be like, all right, then I have to really, really think about it. But right now, I'm still a little bit skeptical that Houston would actually put this much money on the table for Fred. Because, again, how do you sell that to your franchise? You know, it's like, it's like one thing. It's like, okay, we've been rebuilding for a while. Now we want to move in a different direction. We've brought in Kyrie Irving for two years. Right, a guy who's clearly more skilled than everybody on the roster. No, but you're, no bring, you're really bringing challenge. in a new coach. You're bringing in a coach that's been to the finals. You're bringing in Fred, who's been part of a championship team. And Bro, that doesn't using, mean they won a championship. I know, but They're still not even making. But the you're using with them that, to instill a culture. Instill what culture? Like to change whatever has been happening during that rebuild the last three years. Like to get these get these younger guys more in line, learn how to be NBA players, start getting on the right track. I can see the sell. Like people don't have to be happy with it. So. Listen, you're, you're, I, so if, you're bringing in Fred to be John Lucas the fourth. Listen, at, I would at forty million dollars per year. I would not be happy with it if I was a Houston Rockets fan. You can but, see right through this. But I'm just saying, this is a Til, Tillman Fertitta run franchise. Like they're gonna spend this money. All right, and like they're willing to spend this money. No, that's fair. That's fair. I and, think my I think my concern too with all the like run it back talk, assuming like Fred and Yaka, which which we're gonna talk about next, is just like you know all the talk about the the selfishness and like the things that didn't mesh and stuff like. I just need to know if all these guys are coming back. Like, how are these things going to go away? You know what I mean? Because you're bringing the same group of guys Darko, back. Darko, baby. No, Darko. but this, but this, you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. Like, is it just, oh, Fred has a new contract now? Mm. Um, you know, assuming Gary doesn't sign an extension, um, although Zach Lowe hinted yesterday. I don't know if you finished the pod. Uh, I, Zach, I didn't. Sorry. Zach Lowe hinted sorry, that, 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 a, a that an extension uh, might be in the works. In the words um, of Drake? Roasting Draymond at the uh, 2018 NBA oh, no, Awards. It's Don't a tough it. listen. Don't do it. It's a tough listen. For that one. For that Don't one, it was it. a tough listen. Bro. No, but but like Gary, assuming he doesn't sign an extension, is going to be in a contract year again. OG, assuming he doesn't sign a contract extension, is going to be in a contract year. Pascal as well. It's like you're still going to have some of these same issues with the same group of players, right? Yeah. So how does it, like, how does it just go away? Because like if you are really bringing back the same core group, like is it like you mentioned? I know you joke about Darko, but yes, like even I'm like okay, maybe with a new coach, you know, it's a fresh voice, like you know, et cetera, et cetera. But like that's a concern of mine too, right? Mm-hmm. Like the front office betting on this group, um, you know, they bet on this group at the trade deadline, um, and we've heard from like Michael Grange that like you know this that they really like this team and they like the results that they saw. After they acquire Jakob Pertl, like you can look at the the net ratings for like their starting five, but it's like when you watch the team, you, I don't think you saw a tangible difference. Though. No, I mean, hold on, this is where I push back because okay. 
I think the team was appreciably better with Jakob Pertl. Is it was it better in a meaningful way in terms of have they pushed themselves into contention? Yeah. Or have they pushed themselves into even guaranteed top six in the Eastern Conference? I don't think so. But was but it enough for you? Better, yeah. Bro. Was they it definitely enough? Definitely play better. There's no pushing around. But was it enough for you to say, okay, having seen that with Jakob and knowing Fred's contract situation, knowing Jakob's contract situation, I feel good about committing this money and bringing everyone back. Like I feel like oh. They've turned a bit of a corner there after the deadline. Now we got now we got Mr. Well, Darko. They definitely didn't turn any corner, let's be honest. You know what I mean? Right? But, but they played better. Now we have Mr. Darko. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fresh team. We're gonna these guys are gonna figure it out. Yeah. Like is is that something you you could bet on? You personally would bet on. Uh I I, I probably personally wouldn't bet on it, but I mean yeah. again, like that's I suppose it's not my hand to play. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. the Raptors of all season have really come into this hand. Like, all right, so we feel pretty confident. Like we got like a, we got a, we got a queen jack. Okay. Yeah. We got a but queen they jack misread the hand. It was actually a queen hand. seven. Okay. <laughs> they go into the thing. They're like, oh, sh- it's actually a queen seven. Yeah. All right. And it's off suit. Yeah. But maybe, maybe we'll hit on something. You know what I mean? And at the end of the season, I would say with Yaku coming in, they made a pair of sevens. But here's the issue. <laughs> you on, you on, they made bottom pair? Are you telling me they made bottom pair? <laughs> you're on the turn and there's eight people still in the hand and you got a pair of sevens. You know what I mean? And so maybe, you know, Darko comes in and that's a queen on the river and you got two pair. Maybe Darko was so good. It's another seven. You got a set, and then you might feel like something. But realistically, you holding queen seven, and there's a lot of players on the table. You know what I mean? No, for me, it's like I get the money concerns about committing to to Fred, but my bigger concern, really, about running it back is the chemistry aspect of it. Like, are we just waving that away? I mean, it's like all the talk from last year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, like, I don't think the the coaching is like a insignificant part of that at of all. Of course. So. But, I mean, at the same time, like, I also wonder, like, okay, so you don't bring back Jakob, for example. I, I do wonder, let's, like, so if, sorry, you, you don't bring back Fred, for example. It's like, sure. okay, so then you have Jakob there, who's primarily a pick-and-roll player. Now, you could say you can use him and warm out of the post. I, I'm not opposed to it. I, the post is not some magical adjustment to, like, not playing pick-and-roll. Like, it actually felt like for so long that the Raptors in the last two seasons have just not been playing pick-and-roll, partly because... Fred is your best pick and roll ball handler, and there's only there's a limitation to how good he can be there, and also partly because you don't have a good big to play pick and roll with this whole time, and so to me it's like, all right, well, like, is Jakoproto going to be effective in that range? And part of the reason I'm trying to buy this time is I'm trying to pull up Jakoproto's uh, makes um, as a member of the Raptors and just break it down here for us because I think for me and my impression watching the season, the guy who assisted him the most was Fred. Like, you, he got 50 assists from Fred as a member of the Raptors, um, 28 from Pascal, 25 from Scotty. And when you watch a lot of those pick-and-roll sequences, it was Fred and Yak. That was the effective pick-and-roll combination. So if you don't bring back another pick-and-roll point guard, then what, you're cutting off a lot of Yaka Proto's effectiveness. You know no, that's I mean? fair. No, no, that's fine. I'm fine with the encore stuff. I, I, just, I just have my concerns about the chemistry. Okay. Uh, right, I just really right, do right. have my concerns about yeah, the, the chemistry. Like, are these guys going to sit down and just like sort it out? Because clearly it wasn't a good locker room. Are these guys going to get over it? Yeah, but that's, like, that's what I'm we, saying. Can we, can we not pretend like these... I, I want these guys to be adults, man. No, but that's... Else, you know what I mean? That's like, I'm not... Like, I want them to all get on the same page, but okay, I'm worried okay. about that. Okay. I'm worried about that. All right. Well... Like, that's that's a worry of mine. Um, that's fair. Timestamp. So, Jakob Pertl, 
yep. uh, in Michael Granger's article, uh, the San Antonio Spurs have the opportunity to do the funniest thing this offseason. Uh, multiple league sources said that the Spurs have inquired about the possibility of a reunion with Pirtle as a veteran center alongside number one pick Victor Wembanyama, who they project as a stretch four on offense. And mm. one source told Grange, quote, free agency can get a little crazy and unpredictable. I don't think Pirtle's deal is as done as people think. So we keep getting this buzz now because I think it's been assumed that Jakob was going to return to Toronto, something around like a $20 million per year type mm-hmm. deal. Uh, maybe on a four-year contract. And, you know, it seems like every day we just keep getting these, like, little whispers. Yeah. Maybe it's just the free agency class sucks, you know? Mm-hmm. So people got to whisper about somebody. And, you know, um, we got to be like, you know, hey, how you doing, little mama? Let me whisper in your ear about Yaka Pertle, which is just a crazy thing. Also, by the way, if I get enough shots of Baiju on me, I will do Wait the Whisper song at karaoke yeah. one day. He's not on Baiju at the moment. No, no, no. Yeah. It's it's a, it's two it's three p.m. and but I'm not will, Andy yeah. Lou. But we'll be visiting Andy Lou potentially this summer. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, just we'll, we'll announce it on the chat. But um, no, I, I think I will be so disappointed. Again, this this whole thing should this be this would be so funny. This though, would be a rap piece Antonio. of business. You know what I mean? Because again, nobody forced them to go after Acapurto. In fact, they could have just chosen two at the trade deadline. Pivoted it off, you know, made whatever moves they wanted to make, even if they just did nothing and, and said, like, hey, listen, this was not a good time to move some of our players. We believe we can get more for them in the offseason. And you rolled with that miserable group <laughs> to the play in, and you probably would have missed the play in. You probably would have picked higher than, you know, 13th. Maybe you still Yo, take Grady. Maybe you miserable did, group, man. Right? <laughs> but, like, you, instead, no one forced them to bring in Yak. So they bring in Yak. I think it improved their style of play. Like, that, I don't think that's questionable to me, right? But at the same time, it didn't improve them to the point where it got them into the playoffs. It got them into the play-in. And then, you know, it was a struggle in the play-in. And obviously they lost, right? And so, you know, I don't think it affected their bottom line. And now it's like you've invested that pick and it doesn't seem like that deal is secured. Now, of course, this could all just be like, hey, everyone's reading the tea leaves. And if Fred is, is getting this ridiculous offer from Houston that is like you can't turn down this money and that screws up your whole free agency plan – then yes, I should call about Jakob as well. But to me, I'm still choosing to feel confident in the fact that they can retain Jakob, right? Now, San Antonio could pay Jakob a lot of money. I'm sure they liked Jakob. But, like, I feel like there should be a clause in the CBA where, like, we get our first-round pick back. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, there, man. There's got to be a Yo, buy-back clause, that's some, man. That's some crybaby stuff. That's no, like, no, no, no. That's like losing, I don't care. That's like a losing a poker hand and asking for, for your money no, back, No, you know what? I, I'm saying run it twice, okay? <laughs> run it twice wild, with Yaka Pertle, No, this is running it 10 times, man. That's the real run it back. Run it twice. No, we still paying the price for, for that co if you don't, deal, If man. you don't watch Succession or play poker or is asian um this yeah. podcast might be hard to yeah, understand just, just know that uh you know we're talking about free agency um <laughs> yeah i don't know i i would be shocked i would still be shocked if Jakob didn't come back to toronto although i am very locked in on this san antonio rumor now because it's just so funny um, it would be so funny if it happened though <laughs> i also think that like again okay so if fred didn't move you do need to bring in another guard to play pick roll with Jakob portal mm-hmm. Because, again, how else are you supposed to use this man? You know what I mean? Options are low, though, right? Like, options are low if Fred leaves. Like, I think that's that's pretty clear. Yeah. So we're still on team bring bring both back. No, I'm on team, like, whatever the best offer is, do that. You know All what right. I mean? Like, All right. The value, like, again, like, Fred leaving a free agency to Houston is not a win. It's like you literally get nothing out of it. 
Okay. Right? You get the ability to spend the mid-level again. Yeah. Which sucks. I don't care. Yeah. We spent the mid-level on Otto Porter last year. Yeah. The mid-level yeah. is not exciting to me. The mid-level is why Brian Colangelo ultimately flamed out as GM of the Raptors. Because every year, this guy would just sign some random guy off the mid-level. It was like, Fred Jones, come on down for the mid-level. Mm. Jared Jack, come down for the mid-level. Jason Capono. A lot of you guys listening to this podcast might not even know these guys. These these are basketball reference players, honestly, that mm. we could be playing. Mm. But, like, none of it worked out is my point, right? So, it's like... You know, you keep hoping for, like, Linus Klaza. Like, these guys, like, these are not the Band-Aid solutions that are really going to be there for you. And so, I don't know. I mean, I would rather secure my players and re-sign them to deals that are tradable and then move off of them when a good deal comes along. And if that keeps you in stasis, so be it. But realistically, I, I don't feel like I'm losing anything based off of that, especially now that I've traded my pick, which, again, I wouldn't have done at the trade deadline if I were them, but they did. And so now they especially aren't losing anything if they're already going to lose that pick. So you might as well stay competitive. And again, I know it's like frustrating the idea of like, okay, we're bringing back the same roster, but what would you have them do? Like, I think the prudent thing is you sign players to tradable deals, and then when good trade offers come, you move off of them. And obviously there's going to be a waiting period in between, but to me that seems like the most sensible option, and I haven't really budged off of that position. So I'm not really team run it back because no one can be like, wow, I love this group so much. I want to see them play again for another four years. Um, but then again, the difference between that was like just last summer versus this summer, and it was like the same group it, with a couple of improvements tangibly. You can't tell me Jacoperto wasn't an improvement over Ken Birch. You can't tell me Grady Dick's not an improvement over whoever it was last year, Joe Wieskamp. Like, so – They've technically improved that group, but they've gotten worse on the roster. And now, a year ago, we really loved this team to the point where it's like, KD's available. Are we going to do it? And we're like, eh, maybe. Versus now, it's like, oh, Gabe Vincent's available in the mid-level? Let's kick out. Nah, the, let's, let's break how the team. Far, how far have we fallen? We've man. fallen hard, man. We've fallen really hard. Man, by the way, um, you know, another guy I'm excited about is Jeff Down Jr. You oh. know, as, as you were interviewing Grady Dick <laughs> on, yeah. on Monday, great interview. Everybody should check that out on the uh -huh, podcast feed uh -huh. if you haven't. Um, you know, Jeff Down was in the background working out with uh, Coach Jim Sand. And, yeah, really impressed, really impressed with Jeff Down. So just want to say um, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. And I confirmed with Raptors PR that he is a member of the Raptors. Um, <laughs> officially a restricted free agent, I was told. An uh, RFA. You had, so, you had Raptors PR explain the CBA to so you? So he was allowed in the facility. Um, so, yeah. No, um, yeah, the worm has turned. A CBA FAQ like Larry Kuhn. <laughs> Uh, yo, that's a deep cut. Do people know Larry Coon? Um, uh, I hope people know Larry Coon. Yeah, Come on, um, but yeah. So I'm back in on Jeff Down Jr. as well. Um, couple of other, couple of other items here. I don't know if we need to spend too much time on this. Okay. Uh, Grange also mentioned that uh, the list of teams that have made calls for Pascal Siakam include Atlanta, Charlotte, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, Sacramento. I think we've covered at length. Like you know, Pascal's interested in staying in Toronto, signing an extension. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, not surprised that teams would try to make the calls, but I don't think Pascal is on the move. Let me. See I don't that. see. Where's that list? Is that in the rundown here? Yeah, it is. Okay. Here, I'll, I'll highlight it in yellow for you. All right, got you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, right here. Atlanta, Charlotte, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, Sacramento. Yeah. Okay. How about Fred and Pascal in Houston? I'm just trying to think of the funniest scenario. Bro, again, why would Houston do that? Like, that's your all-in move. You're giving is, Houston too much credit, man. You're going all-in for a team know, that but, everyone here doesn't want to go all-in for. But that's you're hilarious, being, You're being man. logical with Houston. Like, they're begging you for your Queen 7. Houston, <laughs> they're begging you for Houston, your Queen 7 Houston technically should not just, like, not 
force themselves to spend all this money. Yeah, yeah. No, like, Houston should. They like, don't have to do this right now. What Houston should do is like unplug the controller, take out the disc, and blow on it, wipe it down, and then put it back in the thing and hit new game. Like I, I know some draft picks have gone out, but Houston doesn't need to just like blow money this year and bring in like two guys and yeah. overpay them. Like you don't, you really don't have to do that. But it yeah. sounds like an ownership mandate, so it is what it is. Okay, look. So first off, to me, like I'm, I'm not surprised about this, but there seems sure. to be a robust market around Pascal, yeah. right? And I'm 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 sure that uh, again, like I like I mentioned, and I saw some people bring this up. Like I wasn't saying the Raptors would have traded Pascal for John Collins and some picks. I'm saying that's what Atlanta's best offer for Toronto would have been, and that wouldn't have been appealing to Toronto. Toronto was not going to do that. Um, nor do I think Toronto should have done that. So, again, I just want to clarify that. Again, this is probably why I don't like giving away any information on the show mm. explicitly because it's just I, – I don't like the rumor kind of economy. But regardless, I just want to clarify that. I did see that kind of around a little bit. Um, so I know there was interest from Atlanta uh, for sure. Um, the other teams, I mean, like Charlotte, what could really – what could the Hornets realistically have offered? You know what I mean? Like they weren't offering the number two pick. By the way, very conspicuously not on this list, the Portland Trailblazers. We spent, like, months <laughs> debating. People were saying, like, yo, Masai's reputation's on the line if he doesn't end up with Scoot Henderson. That wasn't even available. Guys, that wasn't go, available. Go Portland back, was not interested. To, go back to the social media post on the Raptors.com account on the night of the draft when they posted a photo of Masai and Bobby in the room. And just go through go through the replies, man. They're so funny. Uh, they're all like, <laughs> Someone Please. said, Masai... Your legacy is on the line, and you're posting a photo right now? No, nah, that's jokes, man. <laughs> Meanwhile, Masai came into OVO, and I just fifth-swamped him. I'm like, who are you going to pick? And he's also, like, we'll see. And then he went to the back. 75% so. of the time, Masai is either working out or just came from a workout, man. Yeah. This guy is a workout fiend, man. No, yeah, okay. Okay, all right. Shouts to 38, by the way. Shirts, yeah. yeah, okay. But anyways, yes, you were talking about the teams. No Portland. Okay, Dallas's best offer was probably like around the 10th pick. Sure. So would you have done that? No. No. The Houston Rockets, I suppose they could have offered a, a variety of packages. They had the number four. I mean, four realistically, pick. would you have taken number four pick for Pascal Siakam? Do you want mm. do you want Eamon Thompson right now instead of Pascal? No, no. Even if they I, threw in like another player, that's a no. I I think again, I'm not a draft expert, but obviously having followed the this draft, like it seems like the profile of Eamon Thompson would be like a slightly more athletic, a little bit wiry, not as strong, bulky as Scotty Barnes. Sure. Do you have the capacity to develop two Scotty Barnes at the same time? Like, they don't really fit with you. If you're saying Pascal and Scotty aren't the ideal fit, mm-hmm. Scotty and Scotty is not an ideal fit. Yeah. It's a horrible fit for both guys. So maybe you do it, but that means you maybe try to trade, you know, Scotty as well. So I don't even know if the Houston Rockets offer is that great. What were the Pelicans offering you? Was it going to be Zion? If it's Zion, I'd have an interesting conversation. Zion I would think about. Okay, but it probably wasn't Zion. Yeah. Right? Was what it going to be Brandon, Brandon Ingram? Ingram? Yeah. It's kind of a lateral move. You guys sure. say there's more shooting involved with it. Just you know, whatever. He's a little younger, if, sure. But I mean, I don't know. I I think that there's a real debate in terms of who's a better player between those two, and I think that sure. I'd rather go with a guy like yeah, Pascal, who's going to resign for me. Aside from that, are the Pelicans really going to offer some of their picks? Remember, like around the trade deadline, it was like, oh man, if OG's available, if if we're going to trade OG and they give us Dyson Daniels. I'm, I'm gonna do it. I haven't seen a single thing from Dyson Daniels over the course of the second half no, of the we're season. Looking for, we were, and that's not we're to trading that, over a vacuum cleaner, man. <laughs> no, that's not to say that like I expect him to be like a fully completed player. No, he's I still hear a teenager, there, all that kind of stuff, where he's still 20. But like, there hasn't I mean? been there hasn't been a Pascal offer that I've heard that's like blown me away, or maybe exactly. sit down yeah. to like actually think. about. All these offers were in that Atlanta range. It's like John Collins as like a filler salary, or like Davis Bertans from the Mavericks as a filler salary, and then like a mid-tier pick or like a, and a mid-tier prospect. And that's not, 
enough for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, again, I think not only are you saying you trade Pascal for that, but, like, if you trade Pascal now, you now no longer have the ability to package Pascal into a player better than Pascal. You now turn a dollar into, like, none of those are even 50-cent coins. Like, like quarters. Mm -hmm. Like, two quarters and, like, a couple dimes and, like, a couple of, like, nickels. You know what I mean? So you're not getting a full dollar's value. And, like, I think for me, I want to keep Pascal around because he's a really, really good player. He is willing to stay in Toronto. He's worth the money. He's definitely the most serious out of all the players on the team in terms of how hard he works, in terms of his approach to the game. And listen, when there's an opportunity to trade him, I want to trade Pascal for a player better than Pascal. Like, you know what I mean? If I want to have a conversation with with with, with Portland, I, w- I wouldn't ask for the number three pick. I'd call about Damian Lillard. When I'm talking about with Pascal Siakam, because yeah. again, you're definitely not trading all these little tiny pieces into a guy like Dame. So, I don't know. That that's my personal take on it. But also, at this, like looking at this list, I'm like, okay, it's cool that there's a big market for him. Unless I know what the specific offers were, and that any of them were knockout offers, it doesn't seem like you know there was a deal to be made there. So I'm not really going to be on the front office for keeping Pascal. Yeah, and I think if Pascal and the Raptors, if they sign that extension this summer, like he's on what I think is like a reasonable contract like based on his performance yeah yeah, it's not oh, like, yeah it's not like one of those contracts where you feel like it's like a bradley beal situation no now, I mean, if, it, now if it's a supermax might be a different conversation but i don't think the raptors would even offer him a supermax yeah even you know if he's eligible like, next year yeah yeah like it, it wouldn't be like here you go here's mm-hmm. the full supermax it would be a, a long discussion and it would require pascal to make all nba again which again like he wasn't close to it last yeah. year no, I'm with you, man. And he they're, had a career, he had a really good year last year. Now, just, of course, the yeah. winning wasn't there, but yeah, I don't there know. There just hasn't been an offer like that's been reported out there that seems serious. Yeah, for the regular max for Pascal Siakam, I'm absolutely thrilled with signing sure. to that. Yeah, and and last piece of news. This was from uh, Tim Kawakami. Mm. Uh, I heard he mispronounced Utah Watanabe's yeah, name. Yeah, I was going to look for that this morning. Yeah. Um, the Raptors. Reportedly rejected a Jordan Poole for OG and an OB trade offer from the Warriors. Yeah. Who sent this in, man? Andy Lou? This sounds like an Andy Bro, Lou. This offer. sounds like a segment we literally had on the air where he was trying to offer me Jordan Poole. And I was like, I need Kaminga a minimum to join this deal. And he was like, No. He's like, Let me sip on this soju. He said, like, You can't have the bucket. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> we don't, I don't even feel like we need to entertain this one. I mean, it was, a, it would have just been so chaotic to see. You go from OG to like the opposite of OG. Yeah. What would Emma J. Brown have done, man? Honestly. Probably if, become a Warrior fan. If this was a trade. Yo, the Warriors with OG would have been sick, man. I know. Because I feel like they need more size. They still need a guy who can shoot a little bit. But essentially, I feel like well, every time I watch the, the Warriors, I'm like, damn, there's only one Andrew Wiggins. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, essentially, and, and I think OG actually is better than Wiggins based on his overall skill set. Like, he, he can defend more positions than Wiggins. Wiggins is already a really good defender. But I think he's he's better at defense than Wiggins. There's no doubt in my mind, even though Wiggins is good. And even though Wiggins has a little bit more wiggle offensively, he can definitely do, like, occasional moves where it's like, whoa, he took that move from Penny Hardaway. Like, you're never going to watch OG and be like, whoa, he took that move from Penny Hardaway. You know Penny like that? No, man. OG's <laughs> more like a leave a penny, take a penny situation. You know what I mean? What? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Sorry. I'm just trying to say stuff to, to throw you off from the 90s. Um, but, like, yeah, with OG, I feel like, he still offers you the three-point shooter. He still offers you the ability to move without the basketball. Yeah. That would have been a seamless fit in, in Golden State. But oh, I, you, could, I, you not, can envision those scenarios for OG on, like, so many teams. I'm though. not I'm not hurting for Jordan Poole like that. Imagine really OG not, on man. Cleveland. OG on Cleveland Imagine would be a great OG piece. On, on Memphis still. He'd be a great piece on Memphis. New Orleans. I guess they moved on with, uh, with what, Marcus, but... 
Yeah. No, Marcus OG's a guy who fit every single team in the league. Like, I think that's. But he would also fit Toronto very well. So, for now. I mean, I just I'm not I'm not hurting because Jordan Poole was on the table. Like, I'm, no, I'm no, not no, going to no. miss that. Even if Jordan Poole has like a 25 per, per game season in Jordan Poole is year. in the perfect place right now as a Washington Wizard. Why? Because they built a courtside club. <laughs> well, no, because yeah, that. But also, he could just average 25 points on a bad team. That's that's fair. Like, I feel like that's what he wants, especially because I, I guess he also <laughs> one Bradley Beal to the next. He also baby. has a ring already, so like uh-huh. he can just chase stats. Yeah. That's fair. That's Maybe fair. Jordan Poole one day become the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. <laughs> no, relax. Man. I'm gonna predict that right now. Who is it um, that predicted that Jordan Poole is gonna lead the league in scoring? Like y'all never heard of a double team? Like yo, y'all honestly, never, y'all never heard of shame first. That of that might be a good bet. <laughs> That's man. Not a good bet. That man. might be a good, a good bet. bet. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. Um, on the other side, we are going to talk about Nick Nurse leaving Team Canada head coach. And uh, play a little basketball reference game, give you a little bit of banter pod live updates. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. I'm your host, Ben Lou. Continuing joined by producer and co host, Alex Wong. So, yeah, as we said, we will talk about the fact that Nick Nurse is leaving Team Canada. Alex, what's the details there? Yeah, so it was announced yesterday that Sacramento Kings associate head coach. Jordy Fernandez, who, as everyone knows, was one of the many candidates for the Raptors head coaching job, has accepted the role to become the new head coach of the Canadian National Basketball Program. He's got previous experience coaching in national team programs for Spain and Nigeria. And a bit of a surprise that that Nick is leaving. And per Michael Grange, one of the reasons is because the time commitments after taking over the Sixers head coaching job became too much Grange also said that Nick reached out to team members and also helped uh, Canada Basketball identify Jordy Fernandez as the head coach. Fernandez has experience coaching Jamal Murray in Denver as an assistant, and there's optimism that Murray will be joining Team Canada at the end of August when they are playing in the FIBA World Cup to qualify for the Olympics. Okay. All right. So that's the news. It's a bit surprising, I think. Uh, not in the sense that, like, that Nick ultimately left the program after being let go here in Toronto. Um, remember, I think we were talking about that time, I, and I was thinking about the idea of, like, it would just be a little bit awkward for Nick to constantly be in the Raptors building because that's where a lot of Team Canada practices take place in Scotiabank or at OVO, like, and whatever. They have other team's players coming in the building, but it, I, I feel like it's a little different when it's like you've specifically let this guy Nick go. Um, but regardless, I thought with the announcement not taking place, like even within the, what last, how long has Nick been head coach of, you know, the Sixers, like at least a month now. Yep. Like close to, yeah, it, it could have been announced a lot earlier than this. And so maybe the Sixers have an entirely different sort of way of operating. I think also the fact that he's not based out of Toronto anymore, like for his primary job does obviously make it a little bit more of a constraint for him to have to travel to do what he does. But yeah, ultimately like, you know, it does put the team in a bit of a bind in the sense that like there's been this whole thing and the whole new idea with team Canada is that you get the players to buy in um, a bunch of NBA core players who can, who have played with each other, who are committed through a three-year cycle and the three-year cycle included this year's uh, FIBA World Cup, and it included, hopefully, the fact that Team Canada would participate on the men's side in terms of uh, at Paris 2024. 
in the Olympics. And obviously we know that that's been a 24-year drought now for men's basketball in the Olympics dating back to 2000 in Sydney. Uh, again, I can't speak to why I wasn't here um, in the mm. country. So I was rooting for Team China at the time, and I always will be. But, you know, Team Canada is second in my heart, at least. And, like, it, ha- it's, it does oh, was suck. That, was, that, that, was that when Yao Ming played injured? No, this was when they were in that Beijing. Was o- that was 08. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know what? Actually, um, Woj recently brought up that story. And I was listening to the Woj pod. Also, by the way, I 100% take a selfie with Woj. Oh, I, I got to go back and scratch. Um, is is our Mount Rushmore conversation still still uh, in the pod though? Yeah. I, I might I might I might scratch Zach from the thing. I'm sorry, man. Okay, I, okay, I might have okay. the Windhorse, uh, Woj, Stephen A, yeah. and Taylor Rooks. But um, what a horrible selfie that would be, by the way. But this is his Mount Rushmore of media selfie members. Yeah, yeah, I, I stand by it actually. Anyway, Woj was talking about how like he was in the building for for Yao um, when he hit. And he described it as a long two. It was a three, all right? And I remember this very vividly. Yao Ming, it was Team China versus Team USA in the Beijing Olympics. Yao Ming was the flag bearer for the country. It was like a huge, 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 huge event. for. I, I cannot stress how big the Olympics were for China in, in that moment. And obviously, there was no way China was going to beat Team USA. Like, that was the Team USA with Kobe, with Dwayne Wade, with LeBron. Like, they brought D-Wade off the bench. You know, Chris Bosh, Dwight Howard. Uh, Carmelo, like it, it was just nasty, right? Um, but the first possession was was China's, and I think probably Yao Ming won the jump ball, uh, jump ball, which is not too surprising. He's seven six, and they ran a pick and pop where Yao Ming instead of rolling, I think it caught the team by surprise. He popped out to the three point line mm. and banged in the three, and I swear it was like genuinely the loudest thing I've ever heard from a sporting event. And whatever they lost, I like, in my thirty because whatever Yao was injured and. You know, China's nowhere close to being even competitive with USA in basketball. But, um, yeah, shouts to Welch for bringing that moment up because it is one of my most uh, favorite kind of like sporting event moments. But regardless, um, yeah, I mean, this whole thing was supposed to be a three-year commitment. And I think Nick kind of like spearheaded this. They, they talked about it a couple years ago in Vegas. They had these meetings with the players and all that kind of stuff. And that was the pitch. So you take away the, the, the head of the pitch in terms of the coach you're going to play for. That does suck. Now, uh, the signs out of it. I mean, I saw Woj or I saw Grange talk about the idea that like, you know, player commitments are still going to be strong regardless of this. Um, And I hope that's true. But I mean, like that is always just a hope with Team Canada, right? Until we see the men's side consistently perform for the country the way like on the women's side, for example, you know, you you don't, you never ever question. It's like, oh, is Kia Nurse going to come? Is Bridget Carlton going to come? Is Natalie Achamwan going to come? Like if, you know, if they're healthy, they're going to play. On the men's side, is a lot different in terms of the participa- uh, participation rates. And so, like, I do worry a little bit about that. But, I mean, the hiring of Jordy, I mean, I think it makes sense. Obviously, you know, he was highly sought after in terms of as a, as a head coaching candidate. He obviously didn't land a head coaching job here in Toronto or anywhere else. But he got a lot of interviews, right? So a lot of teams must have really thought highly of him to get a sense of who he is. He's also had some experience as an assistant in coaching international play has been part of Mike Brown's staff coaching uh, team Nigeria has been part of um, Sergio Scariolo staff um, coaching uh, team uh, Spain. And so, you know, there's the NBA built in experience there, you know, him and Jamal Murray, uh, you know, he worked in Denver as a longtime assistant under Mike Malone and, you know, uh, obviously Jamal's been there a long time. So you assume there's a connection there. But, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just, like, it just kind of sucks because the whole thing was supposed to be a three-year commitment. And when we're talking about Team Canada, 
we're always worried about participation. And now you have the coach backing out of that. And whatever. Maybe it was Philadelphia forced them. Maybe it was Nick decided I'm not want to do this anymore. It's not like it's a high paying job. From my understanding, it was only like a six figure job, which whatever, six figures is, is nothing to scoff at. Um, but like Nick makes like eight million, for example, with like I, I don't know, I don't even know what he makes in, Sac- in in Sixers now, but he was making eight in Toronto. So I assume he was not taking a pay cut to go to Philadelphia in all of this. So it's not like the biggest financial reward for him, but yeah, I mean, you you still wanted your head coach to be ahead of that, you know, that part of that program. So I don't know. I feel like Nick did represent Canada with pride, though. So I, I actually do salute him for that. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess Jordy takes the mantle. Ultimately, it's about the players and can they play. I'm much more worried about who ultimately shows up. But it does kind of suck, though, you know. Yeah, no, it's been it's been like what two decades now. Like you talk about like the 2000 Olympics, and like I remember just like this group of players starting with like. Andrew Wiggins coming in, and that's like almost a decade ago now. Um, everybody getting excited about Team Canada and this being like the golden era of players for them. And like we've we've already seen all the heartbreaking losses that they've had trying to qualify for the Olympics. Who did they Bro, lose? They lo- Was it Czech Republic? They lost to Czech Republic. Right. Like, Czech Republic. Like we've seen all of that. Thomas Sadaransky hit a turnaround oh dagger over Lou Dort. And that's the thing. It's like you look at the roster, you look at these players, like you mentioned, when they're committed, like the Team Canada has a really stacked roster that you can get excited about internationally. And like things just have not aligned. And I think this is just, you know, another part of a long list of disappointment. Um, and whatever the circumstances are for Nick, it's like, you know, the timing of it is, is just unfortunate um, as they're going into the qualifying now for the World Cup and all of this stuff. So. Yeah, I don't know. I guess no more no more Arkells to intro Team Canada, or does that continue on? I don't know. Mm, that's, that's TBD. Yeah, that's TBD. But that's TBD. But um, that's like I, I think for there's a lot of basketball fans here in Canada that's been rooting so hard for the especially the men's program to to be successful. And well, we have the second most NBA players mm-hmm. outside of the US, United States. Yeah, you know I mean, like yeah, it's just never come together. If it's not the players, if it's not one thing, it's another. Yeah, and, like it's and, always been something. Nick always talked about in this capacity. He's like, I've, I've looked at other teams, and part of the reason for their success is they have continuity, top down. The core players show up year after year. They've come up through the youth system together. They have experience playing together. There's this, like, consistent participation, and the coaching is consistent, all that kind of stuff. Even Spain, for example. Sergio Scarillo has been head coach of Spain for, like, a decade plus now. You know what I mean? And, and so, um, yeah, it, it's tough. Also, looking back on this, I don't know why I chose to look back on this. But the, so Canada hosted, they paid a lot of money, like a couple million to host one of the Olympic qualifiers. Um, and they won it. They won the bid to host it in Victoria. They were going to build a whole thing around the whole thing, except for the fact that the pandemic happened. So they had to delay it. Then when they relaunched it, they had no fans in the building. They had such little capacity to run it the way they wanted to run it. They still got good participation. Like when we're talking about the team, like there's plenty of NBA players on this roster, you know, Lou Dort. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Corey Joseph, Dwight Powell, Trey Lyles, R.J. Barrett, Anthony Bennett, like Andrew Wiggins was there. You know what I mean? Like Michael Mulder at the time was in the was in the NBA. Andrew Nicholson had been in the NBA. So like this is not a bad team by any means. Um, they had won their first three games, I believe, and they needed to just win this last one against Czech Republic to move on to the finals where they would have played Greece, who they beat pretty handily when they played them in group play. And then they lost in overtime, even though Andrew Wiggins went on this crazy flurry to force overtime in the first place. They lost in overtime, 
with Thomas Sadoransky hitting a turnaround jumper. And some of the guys in this game, like Sadoransky had 21 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Honestly, he's a good player. Like, I'm not too surprised by that, right? But like Blake Schlib, you know Blake Schlib? Oh, I remember him from that game. Blake yeah. Schilb, S-C-H-I-L-B. I do not know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. Um, 30 points, 11 of 19 from the field, including 7 of 12 from three with seven assists as well. Yeah. You know, career who, game. And their center, Andre Balvin. I remember him as well. He was a beast. Didn't he foul out Dwight Powell in that game? This guy had 14 points and 19 rebounds, and most importantly, put Dwight Powell in foul trouble. And that was always Canada's problem, that we don't have great bigs to sort of play with. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, that's one of the issues with playing these tournaments, too. Like, So Canada what needs to finish as the second-best team in the Americas. Which obviously is going to be difficult because there's good competition, and obviously U.S. is going to be number one in that group. But if they finish second in in the in this sort of scenario in the World Cup, then they can get themselves to, um, you know, the Olympics. It's a little bit convo- convoluted how mm-hmm. Olympic qualifying works, but I this is my understanding. Just quickly looking at it right now. Yeah, but and if they don't qualify at this World Cup, then they'll have a bunch of other cycles. They'll have other to qualifiers to, to sort of compete in. Yeah. That that was what I just described of them losing to Blake Shilb is. Is, is one of those qualifiers. So you never know what fresh horrors lie in international play. But, uh, I mean, look, as long as they get the players to come out, I still feel pretty decent about it. By the way, uh, breaking news, Adrian Rojanowski, my photo bomber, um, has uh, just announced that Chicago Bulls center Nikola Vucevic is finalizing a three-year, $60 million contract extension. Not bad. Yeah, you know. So Yaka's going to make uh, more than Vuce? Bulls are going Bulls are gonna to run it back, you know, run it back to the play-in. Yeah, I do not want to. You know what? I would love to run it back against the Bulls in the play-in. Just to get that DR DeRozan. No, no DR DeRozan. No DR DeRozan. Something we got to go back to the empty arena. Something bro. happens at the passport. You know, like uh, the passport office. Like, sorry, DR, you can't come. I'm back. I'm surprised you never pulled a DR DeRozan during the empty arena era, man. You know what? That would have been a good time to pull that off. I didn't have the I didn't have the the wherewithal to do it. Also, yeah. the camera picking up on me as a regular person doing it versus like. <laughs> Her as like the daughter. I of mean, you just scream loud enough that you were the first person to let Fred know that he had made the All Star team. Yeah, well, that was how empty the arena was. Someone should, someone should scream that Houston's <laughs> offering you a max, Fred. That's that's amazing. Good for you, man. Oh man. Um. Anyways, I think that's that's all the news that we have. Okay. That we're gonna cover today. All right. Um. Should we play the basketball reference game, or did you want to give an update on on your of our eventful day today? Yeah, okay, so, you know, I, we've been getting some feedback in terms of, you know, it's been a lot of banter, and so we understand. I mean, obviously, that, that's part of what we do for the show. So, again, if you're less, if you're less interested in that and you're, more, you're here for the basketball portion, we're pretty much done. We talked about Team Canada, talked about free agency for the umpteenth day. You know, if you want to move on, here's your free shot to do that, right? So, yeah, so, I mean, what, what did we do today? Woke up, what, 8 a.m., hopped in the shower, Mm. Hopped on the scooter. Details. It, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't as smoky as it is currently right now. The Quebec wildfires, you know, still um, making it difficult to breathe Man. across. You know, the, uh, the the Atlantic Division. Let's just say what. <laughs> We living in the Atlantic right now. We living in the Atlantic division. Man. By the way, divisions are like dead now. Because right? like I was just <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. Okay. no, bro, 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 bro. Bro, this guy came. Bro, I got a take. Two thousand and sixteen take. No, I got no, to take though. Because okay, like, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, I was man. thinking about this the other day actually. Because I don't know why I was looking at the standings from last year and sorting them by division, which nobody does anymore. And I'm like, 
man, in, in like 10, 15 years ago, we would have made a bigger deal of the Raptors, like, you know, coming up in the bottom of the Atlantic division. Mm. But that's not something that's like discussed at all. We bottom of the Atlantic, like the, the, <laughs> like, the like the submarine, man. Is that what you're talking about? No, but it's like back in the day, um, like, I don't even know, like five, 10 years ago, you used to always look at divisions and measure yourself against these teams. Like that used to be part of the conversation. Like it wasn't the be sure. all end all, but it's yeah. like now you only look at the obviously the conference standings. Well, the stuff. division only, really... which is fine. Like divisions don't really yeah. matter. Like divisions, all they exist for is like you know obviously the the geographical thing, but it's like it's just for banners. Like it's just for banners, Atlantic Division banners. Well, we kept making fun of it for for too long. Then. Yeah, I'm just like, saying the next time the Raptors win the Atlantic Division, like I don't. It'll feel good again. Yeah. There, no, like there's not going to be any excitement around that. I don't think. Well, okay, before it was cool to win the Atlantic because, or win your ever division because you're guaranteed a top four spot. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? True. So um, there were quirks where, like, you could have a worse record than another team, but you could have a higher seed. Just putting in our divisions dead into the the description. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. But, I mean, aside from that, I don't really see a reason why we should have played for it. I mean, it was kind of cool where certain divisions were very competitive, like, the Southwest was always really good because the Texas, you know, oh, yeah. the, the Texas three-step, the yeah. Texas two-step, three-step, you know what I mean? They always had some pretty great players down there. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying it's, otherwise, it, it's yeah. just like we've seen just like, you know, it's been all diluted, like divisions or like well, no, rivals. We went from like the toughest division, like people were calling us the Titanic, the division. Wasn't that a thing for a while? Oh, yeah. Slightly insensitive now, I suppose. Oh, yeah. I mean, also insensitive like 100 years ago, too. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> like, with all, with, with the original Titanic With all due respect well. to Woodrow Wilson, all right? Um, oh <laughs> with, with all due respect to... WW. <laughs> with all due uh, respect to Robert Borden. Um, two doves, man. <laughs> I don't even know if these were this era specific. Um, but, like, you know no, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It used to be the Titanic because, like, everyone was yeah. terrible in this and division. now we're good. Like, every, you know, the, the second yeah. worst team in the division is Brooklyn, and Brooklyn was pretty good. I just say it as somebody who put a little $50 bet on the Raptors to win the Atlantic Division at the start of last season, and it was tough, you know? I believe at some point my friend John had could cash out for, like, a dollar for that. Oh, honestly? <laughs> in the middle of the season. That's a good I, offer, man. That's a generous did. offer. Here's $1 <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, no, that was very that's, generous. That's us if, that's us if uh, the Spurs take Yaka Pertl. I want $1. Give me the second round pick. You know what? You can keep the 2024 first round pick. You earned that. Give us the other second round so pick So you think the use. Spurs owe you something? Owe the Raptors something if they somehow scam, no, they don't, they scam don't. the Raptors out of a first round pick and then got Pertle back? They don't owe us anything. Let's be honest. It's pure mismanagement at that point. But I would like to have something back. You know, like just please man, sign a trade for a second. Round. You know what? Give me Ken Birch and the second round pick. Man, please. <laughs> no. Just so Strizzy can say we the North again, man. Yeah, well, still. Man. Anyways, what were we talking about, man? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're our, day, our day, yeah, our yeah. day. Yeah. And then, yeah, we, 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 so what did we do today, Alex? Yeah. Why, why were we up in the morning for this? So we were up, you know, prayers up again to the Honda Civic. Looks like there's still life left um, picking up from the shop soon. It turns out all he needed was uh, a battery charge. Yeah, new battery. Guy, Not a battery guy, charge, a new fresh battery. A new battery needed to be installed. a very normal thing for I cars. I don't even know what that means, but... Um, Bro, your so, car is old enough to, like... Yeah. Tell, my car, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so car was at the shop, uh, but you know, friend of the program, Elaine Kwan, was kind enough to drive us um, to to my uh, stomping grounds of, of Markham, whooping that Audi, Ontario. You know, I was steps from Unionville High School. Um, you know, just a lot of nostalgia, and then we uh, went to visit the uh, head office of uh, Chat Time, mm-hmm. and for the second time 
this year we were given a very cool uh, tasting session. Mm-hmm. Just an education process of understanding the different teas. Literally having one of the chat times right Different now. toppings. Yeah. Um, you know, shouts to the sea salt crema. Um, what was your what was your big takeaway? Because I feel like for a lot, because we talk about bubble tea all the time. Yeah. My big takeaway is just what like. What did you learn today? My big takeaway is just like there's more sophistication to like ordering a proper bubble tea yeah. than just walking in there as I do and just being like, yeah, I'm going to have the Rosa milk tea, 50% sugar, 50% ice. Yeah. Like there's just different types of teas, obviously different types of tastes. And the way we're educated today too is just like. Different sugar levels work with different teas. Different mm. toppings pair well with different types of tea. So, um, and we're hoping it's like it's like one of those things where I feel like bubble tea. Sometimes I don't know if it's intimidating to people who like don't go in the shops regularly, but it's like it'd be cool for just like people to learn more about these things, so then they can like just have the best options possible. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing, too. Like, I, we, okay, first off, this is the second time we've had this experience. So, thank you for Cha Times for doing that. But, yeah, like, yeah. Um, I, I think for a lot of people, when they step up to um, the order counter or whatever, and maybe they're there with some friends, maybe they're just there on their own. But, like, there's so many options and there's so many different customizations that you can customize every part of the drink, essentially. Um, that it's, it is, it is a little intimidating, not in the sense of like, um, you know, it's anything you something scary, but like you don't know what you're really doing, and so, I mean, I, even for us, like I, I wouldn't say I'm like a bubble tea veteran or a boba veteran or whatever. Like, you know, I, I drank tea like a every Chinese person, so I had some pretty good knowledge of tea just from like being at home and being around that. But like, didn't really understand like all the toppings and sort of what went into it. I think my favorite thing was just like understanding what sugar does to the tea, because for me, I was always like, mm-hmm. oh, this is too sweet. I don't want sugar in this. And that's completely fine. I mean, like, realistically, everyone's got their own different palate. And, you know, a lot of people don't eat sugar, right? So that's fine. Um, But I didn't realize that, like, if you have the full sugar for some of the green teas, for example, it really brings forward the flavors. Or even against um, the darker teas, the sugar in there is going to make the experience. It's going to cut a lot of the bitterness, which obviously that's what sugar does, what the sweetness does. But it kind of rounds out the flavor in a way, depending on sort of what kind of toppings you want to add into it. So I honestly, I didn't get that kind of appreciation until you really got this experience like we did, where it was like we got to have pretty much like 20 different customizations of teas and really got a sense of like what are all the teas, what's all the comparisons. So I don't know. I just think for a lot of people like, Maybe bubble tea is just one of those things where it's a lot of investment in terms of going into it. You might have to do a little bit of research, but I think it's worth it. Like it's just in terms of finding your own kind of like palette and your own taste profile. So yeah, it's like, it's, I suppose it's like, you know, I remember when I was a kid and I was like, for the first time in university, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the, you know, LCB. I'm going to go to the Lickbo. Mm. You call it the Lickbo? Have you heard it called the Lickbo no, before? Is that, is that a regional thing? No. What is that? I don't know. That's what people called it at uh, maybe oh, okay. at McMaster okay. or some of my friends were calling all it right, the Lickbow. All right, all right. So I go to the Lickbow for the first time. You know, I took the bus, it's a school bus down, not the school bus, but the bus that came to campus. Took it like five minutes to go to this mall and then there's like an LCBO there. And I'm there and I'm like, all right, so I'm trying to be cool, right? Because, you mm. know, again, like that's your number one thing as a kid is like, can I fit in? Can I be cool? So I'm at the LCBO and I'm like, I have no idea what all these beers are. I don't know what I like. I don't, what's an IPA? What's an APA? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I thought this was like what people come to school to get is one of these degrees. And Lick so, Bow is what you call the LCBO. We called it the Lick Bow. Okay. And then 
I don't know what to get in there. And I think, like, realistically, you just have to, like, try a whole bunch of different beers and whatever. But one of the ways I, like, what I found it helpful was, like, just getting flights of beers and kind of understanding, like, the color profiles, taste profiles, what do you like, what sort of, what, for what kind of occasion. Um, and that's essentially, we got, like, a flight of bubble tea, which I think it was kind of educational in that way. And so I know people are really serious about their, their beer. In terms of, like, you know, I know Blake Murphy, friend of the program, shouts to him. Big DJ Hog supporter. All right, we we definitely had a lot of Hog talk on the last one. But DJ like, I, Hog is just if Grady <laughs> Dick grabs the ox cord, guys. Uh, it's the second time I'm hearing that joke today, but it's still pretty good. Still hit. Still hitting, man. The leftover for that DJ Hog DJ joke is is great. But um, like I remember Blake used to go to like all these beers they would have, and he would write about it and do a little review. That's how serious people are. Like it's a recreation. Yeah. So I feel I, like I feel you like we do could, that with bubble tea. That's now, what I'm saying. I, I, I'm I now feel like appreciating. So. I'm not trying to give out free ideas here, but like you know, like I, I know there's a lot of apps where you track, like you know, people track, you know, the the different beers that they drink, different wines that they yeah, drink. Yeah, wine is huge. Like I wonder if there could be like a bubble tea equivalent mm. of like people being able to share this knowledge because like. Even like with the two tastings that we've gone to, I feel like unless you're like actually taking notes and stuff and really understanding everything, it is a lot to take in. No, right? for sure, for sure. It is a lot to take in, but I feel like being able to take in that information is just going to give you a better appreciation Yeah. of like, I guess this is how like wine snobs people yeah, yeah, like, yeah. are like. It's like Or even co- yeah. like the closer thing would be like coffee because we're essentially what we're talking yeah, about is like yeah, appreciating yeah. the differences in tea. Like a jasmine tea yeah, tastes yeah, 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 so yeah, different yeah. from an Earl yeah. Grey tastes so different from and, like and a I kinda wanna, whatever. And I kind of want to operate on this like advanced level of bubble mm, tea. Got you. You know, like it's You no. want to be like Darko Ryakovich. Uh, yeah. Like who it's asks a, you like, how do you take your bubble tea? You say very <laughs> seriously. <laughs> very seriously. <laughs> I had a joke on the spot, man. Darko's going to fix everything. <laughs> oh, man. We, we Honestly, Darko's the main character. I'm telling you, man. Got, um, oh, the, there's dementors all around Hogwarts. We need to call Darko, man. We, need to, we need to get the golden snitch. We got to call Darko. We got to kill Voldemort. Uh, we got to call Darko, I, man. I know somebody who we should call the golden snitch. Um, but <laughs> no, please, man. Don't, don't reveal, man. Please. Also, I'm not dealing I'm, with a whole year of Harry Potter references. I'm protecting man. the please. snitch like one of please, the, we'll watch one of the badgers show, or whatever. Man. No, but but shouts to the bubble tea experience. That was great. Um, man. No, shouts really to the, shouts to the Chaitan team team there, and then we went nearby Markham and and had uh, a great dim sum lunch. Where was it? At uh, Providential Nine. That um, doesn't sound like a dim sum place <laughs> for some reason, man. Providential I mean, Nine is like I can't read the Chinese name, bro. It um, sounds like the road that leads to the Izod Center, man. And, and the other thing you everybody should know is is that the the Chinese names of dim sum restaurants usually sound harder. Yeah. Then, then the English. All right, let me look it up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to say, yeah, you've got it. And then we, yeah, we got a chance shows. We chill, we chilled out with Craig and Ivy from Patois who were hanging out with us, and Elaine obviously. And name, yeah, just a just a massive amount of of dim sum was was consumed, and then uh, yeah, we came back down to record the pod. That is a. Uh, Yo, it was that actually, the most it was, it was actually amazing dim sum, though, I have to say. Like, it wasn't like... It was high-level. It was high-level dim sum, you know you what know, I mean? had some black truffle on, on, on that, on the shrimp noodles. Mm. It was slightly different. And then shouts again. Um, shouts to the to the plug for, for picking up the tab. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, there was a bit of an awkward moment where we were like, uh, who is actually going to pick up this tab? And yeah, you saw was, me fighting hard for that. Everyone was yeah. pump-faking, you know what I mean? I was, I was yeah. in there like... DeMar you were really Rosen. Dwayne Wade. <laughs> I was like Dwayne like, Wade, get, baby. Let me get, let me get, let me. Yo, I got you, I got you. I'll split shipping, man. <laughs> like we can split the tip. I'm like, yo, 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 I'll, I'll yo, get, yo. Let me get the tip. I'll, I'll get the chicken feet. I ate the most yo, chicken feet. Yeah. 
Oh, I, you know what? Actually, this part guy was going to itemize them. Man. Part of the part of the experience oh, was um, for some reason you, you you decided to teach me on the spot how to use Instagram because oh. even though you've seen and control. Of yes. my own account back to me. Yeah, the promise was always like, I don't once, post. One, yeah, once it reached 2,000 followers, uh, it just felt right, you know. Follow with, Will Lufitz. With, with your profile yep. um, increasing to, to finally hand it back to you because, like, you sure. were a fully formed human on on Instagram. Like, like you were, like, mm. a real person mm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know. I didn't know, like, you know, I know IG story is, like, a new thing to you. So then, yeah, Bro, myself, it's not easy to myself and Ivy was just, like, Teaching you, like, you know, just, like, basics, you know? Just, but you just got to post photos. Let people know what you're up to no, or not. Here's yeah. the thing, though. I'm, I'm not against this. Mm. And, and I feel like I, I need to learn this skill because we do get invited to these sort of, like, industry events. And, and honestly, like, part of the quid pro pro, quid pro pro, what, what are those? I don't know why I'm using this <laughs> phrase. But part of the trade-off is that, like, they invite you to these things and then you post about it, right? That's, sure. That's, like, the whole influencer yeah, yeah, game or whatever. Yeah, it's like an unspoken thing. But I'm like, I can't be an influencer if I don't know how to post a story. You know what mm. I mean? This guy was teaching me tricks. This guy was like, here's how you shadow tag somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah, you ghost tag somebody. Yeah, you yeah, ghost tag them. Yeah, yeah. No, so but I was like, teaching I was teaching Will very basic things, like giving a location press. tag yeah. or or just, like, tagging people that are with you so mm. then they can reshare it and stuff. Yeah, all that stuff I was not so, familiar with. I was not familiar so, with yeah, this So, yeah, go follow Will Fits. I believe there's a photo of me mid-eating chicken feet and to be fair i i I did i did blur out just the chicken feet because it's not like a (laughs) it's not a great experience like to to be photographed eating chicken feet yeah yeah so i I had an idea going into it and i did execute that idea so it's not as graphic as you would think but no definitely at the end of the dinner or at at the end of lunch i was looking around everyone's bowls because that's a classic go-to move at the end of the the dim sum you you look at the people's bowls Mm. and my bowl just had like you had a mountain of bones i had a mountain of chicken bones you you were the bone collector (laughs) definitely I was one. Bone Shaker, which was my favorite uh, my favorite beer when I was trying to be cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, and Bone Shaker sucks uh, too, by the way. I'm sorry. Anyways, great day. Uh, 4.30 yeah. hard out for to pick up the oh, Honda gotcha, Civic. Oh, gotcha, 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 uh, Basketball reference game. Oh, I the have... new CBA's been signed, finally. Okay, wow. new CBA has been signed. Blake Murphy will be joining us on the line shortly. <laughs> um, I got three players for you. Okay, all right, all right. If you're ready. Oh, man, uh, this guy's serious about this hard out. By right. the way, people don't know, uh, this is our first time playing this in person. So I'm a borrow. Um, I'm a borrow your notebook. From yeah, this, rip right? a piece. Of, don't just, rip, just rip a page out. Man. All right, all right, well. This is the Giants of Africa, um, you know, binder that we were given. Notepad. All right. Mm, are you ready? ASMR on the pod. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Are you ready? These are. I would say these are all advanced level. Oh. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's start with this player. He was drafted in twenty two thousand and five. First round by Memphis, 19th overall. And he played in Memphis from 2005 to 2009. So 2005 to 2009, he okay. was in Memphis. And then the following season, which was the 09-10 season, he split between Milwaukee first and then Chicago. Man. And then the following season, 2010-11, he was in Phoenix. 2011-12, also in Phoenix. So hold on. He's in Phoenix 2010 until when? 2010 until 2012. Okay. And then the 12-13 season, he starts in New Orleans and then ends that season in Charlotte. 
the dreaded New Orleans Bro, plus Charlotte, Charlotte combo. combo. Oh, Hornets and the former Hornets. Is he done? Is he and done? That's it. And okay, that's okay, it. Okay, hold on. And that's it. Bro, what? Okay. How many games did he play for Phoenix? Like Milwaukee, Phoenix, Chicago, that area. Yeah. So with Phoenix in 2011, he, he played in 80 games, but only started six. Okay. In his second season in Memphis, he played in all 82 and started 43. Well, he's a starter. Okay. And that was the year he posted a career high 12.7 points. Hmm. Okay. Who's coming up for me right now? 05 in this range. So he was teammates with Kyle in that Memphis team. Um, he played in Phoenix as well. So this was still on Steve Nash was in Phoenix. So I feel like I wouldn't remember this guy, especially he played 80 games. Um, drafted by Memphis. Is this, uh, okay, uh, what what position? Uh, he he is a traditional power forward. Traditional power forward, not even a swingman. Got you, got you. Yeah, yeah, those pa- existed. Very power forward. Very power Actually, forward, man. I don't want to throw you off. Like he could probably play small forward. You could probably play small forward, but he's a power forward. Let me hold on. Let me check his. On, let man. me check his three Who point stats. This, no threes. He did not shoot threes. But he was a power forward. Yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. Make him a power forward. This, he's a power this forward. era of player has completely died out of the league, by the um, way. He's, uh, in fact, he's skinny. In fact, his one of his basketball reference nicknames is Skinny. One of his nicknames is Skinny. Yeah, so he's a skinny oh, man. power forward. Why is, why is this not coming up? I feel like this is... Who might have played, I guess you're Hakeem right. Warwick. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, okay, Let's we go. go. Let's go. Let's go. There we go. Okay. All right, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Into the dungeon. That's go. good. Yeah, yeah. Definitely play for Memphis. I remember, yeah, him playing with Phoenix for sure. Because, like, Steve Nash would make all these guys look good. So, Shout 98 NBA draft. Oh, brother, this is tough. Okay. First round, 12th overall by Orlando. Oh, my God. That's going to be no hints whatsoever. But all he right. He spends his first three years in Orlando. So, 1998, 99, 99, 2000, 2000, and 2001. Okay, I'm writing this down, but it doesn't spark anything for me, all right? I'm just going to be clear. O one o two, he goes to Cleveland. O two o three, New York Knicks. O three o four starts with the Knicks, but ends in Denver. O four o five, o five o six, o six o seven, all with Miami. What? Okay, so o. So 0405 season. Yeah, until when? Until 2007. So 04 to 07, he's okay. with Miami. So this guy won a ring. And then his final season in 08 in Minnesota. Yeah, whatever. That's that's completely irrelevant. My goodness. Okay. Who was on those teams? All right. Only team I remember from this era is Miami. So it was in Miami for three years. Oh my God. Okay. This feels like uh actually I don't know what this feels like. I'm going to say it feels like a guard, but... Way off. Okay, what what's the position? It's a traditional he center? He's a traditional center. Oh, word? Okay, all right. Traditional I think you're center. I pretty nice. Man, I don't, I don't know, man. This is, the thing is, this is before my era, man. This is before my time. Like, 2004, oh, like... True there was, hoopers don't have eras, man. Uh, yeah, they do, actually. 
Yes, they do, man. What do you mean, bro? Okay. Um, how many games did he play for the title-winning Miami Heat? Title-winning Miami Heat. So that's 06. In 06, he only played 31 games and started three. Okay. But this is a center, so this is Shaq's backup. Yeah. Checking Uh, in for Shaquille O'Neal. Bro, I I don't know. I wasn't really watching that hard in that time. Um, Man. You also have the race card that you can play. Uh. I usually don't like to play the race card. It's not it's not one of my favorite activities. Is that playing your, that race card. Is that your disposal? Mm, okay. That's on. we'll call it well, we need to a, rebrand that. That's a that's like the Uno this guy's card. Guys a center. Like, you have the Joker that you can play. Yeah. Uh, Joker card. No, nah, I'm going to need all the help I can get. Yeah, yeah, give, give me give me give me the ethnicity please. Yeah, he is Caucasian. Oh. It's a big hint. That's a a it's white a pretty man. big hint. Okay, okay. All right, tell me if this is way off, man. Doliak? Yeah! Michael Doliak? Doliak! Let's go! That's crazy! Let's go! Let's go! Yo, that's sick! (laughs) No, the white guy actually really helped him this Yo, that's why I told you to play the card. Sometimes you gotta play the card, No, that's crazy! All right, right, last one for you. Oh, man, someone's definitely... I'm gonna auction this piece off, man. Someone's (laughs) definitely gonna want this. 2010 draft. Yeah, that's my my vibe. Chicago Bulls first round 17th overall. But he is traded to Washington okay. right away. Okay. Okay. 2010 to 2015, he's in Washington. And then the following year, which is 2015 16 season, he's in New York with the Knicks. And then the 2016 17 season, he's in Indiana, and that's it. Oh, man. Okay, hold on. This doesn't look that hard, to be honest. So this man played on the Wizards. Was he a, okay? How many games did he play on the Wizards in 2014-15 when the Raptors lost to the Wizards? 2014-15, he played in 79 games off the bench. Okay. Uh, who was the backup big for the Wizards that year? The Raptors lost to the Wizards. Uh uh, it's a white guy. It's a white guy. Oh, I know who it is. Oh, I don't know his name. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was like a stretch white guy. He was a mid. He was like a mid-range big. You've already used your race card, so we only allow <laughs> one race card per. No, I episode. know who this is, man. His name's like Smith. Like it's so generic. Way off. Oh, it's not Smith. Way off. Wait, shouldn't have, hold shouldn't on. have given you that hint. Hold on. Wait, it's not. Wait, no, there's like. Oh my God, why am I blanking on his name, man? Like a John Lure, like regen. Like, who is this guy? Nope, way off. No, I know it's not John Lure. I just mean, like, it's. Okay, hold on. All right, hold on, hold on. Maybe, maybe I'm off on this whole thing. What's the position? What's the position? Let's get the position on this. He is listed on basketball reference as a center and power forward. Okay, that, okay yeah. All right. Okay, so I knew that. What was his name, though? Oh, I can see his face, man. Oh, my goodness, bro. He got a widow's peak. He got brown hair. He's got a widow's peak. He's shooting mid-range. His number is something scrubby, like 14 or something. Oh, my God. What is his name? 
oh, this is going to kill me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I could, see, I could see him in a Knicks jersey afterwards. Take your time, man. Okay, hold on. 79 games off the bench, power forward center. So, Hoop started at center for that Wizards team. It was Marcin Gortat. And then they brought this guy off the bench. Um, Otto was on that team. Bradley Beal was on that team. Paul Pierce obviously was on that team. John Wall was on that team. Um, I forgot which backup guards, but it doesn't even matter. They weren't playing much. Man, to match up with this guy. Oh, man. No, I I, I just – I could see his face, but – I. Like, I feel like I could draw him better than I could get his nah, name man. out, man. If you draw him out on the paper, then you – that's – I'll give you that. If it resembles him. No, nah, all I know is yeah, he's got a widow's peak. Oh, my God. Okay, what was his name, though? It was like John. John? No, <laughs> so, you're off. You need to move off that. It's not It's not like a John you, Smith no, type, No, you need huh? to move off that. Yeah. Interesting. Who else played in this critique, man? You need man? to move off that. Like, it, yeah, it's, I, hmm, power forward center. And so, is it not a white guy? You've already used the oh, race card. Oh, I yeah, didn't know so there's only we, one we, card. Yeah, we can only use the race well, you know card what, once, out of respect. I needed, I needed the race card to get Michael Doliak. Yeah, out of so. respect, out of respect, we're only okay, using that I once. need to know this player because I watched the Wizards very intently. That season, I was, oh, my God. Yo, we need to play this with NBA executives, man. I need to play this with Bobby. With Bobby? I need, I need Bobby to do this, man. Played in Indiana as well. Could be a... Oh, could be... You know, maybe maybe it was not a white man who did this for Washington. 79 games off the bench. Maybe it was like... He's such a wizard, too. It's like such a wizard name from that era. Man, like, but you would only know him. I feel like if you were like a Wizards fan, or of course if you watch Raps Wiz. Uh, who else was in that series, man? All I remember is Paul Pierce and Bradley Beal and John Wall and Marching Gortat killing us. Who else was killing us though? This guy. Let's see how he did in that sweep. Oh my god! <laughs> in the sweep, this guy played thirty-three total minutes. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. There were competitive games, I suppose. Play for the Knicks in Indiana. Man, a lot of a lot of players play for Washington, New York, Indiana in this range, man. Yeah, this is a this is the mid three, man. Did he play at all for the Knicks like in six, 15, 16? So, like, was it a significant role? With the Knicks, I'm gonna give myself one more minute on this. No, you're good. With the Knicks, sorry, I gotta click on him again. This player with the New York Knicks played in 48 games. Man. Came off the bench, averaged 11 minutes. Okay, and then Indiana, did he play? Indiana, he played 49 games, started three, and averaged 11 minutes. He never averaged double digits in points. Man, who is this? Because it's not... He never made a three in his career. It's not Yamahimni. No, No. Yamahimni played for Dallas and all that kind of stuff. No, it's, it's too long. Back power forward center. I feel like it's the white guy with the widow's peak that I'm like envisioning his face, but I can't see his face. Didn't like, shoot. You're thinking about Jason Smith, but it's I not him. About Jason but it's Smith. not no. him. Thank you. My goodness. The yeah. amount of relief I it's feel. It's not about. him. That's not Jason Smith. <laughs> got me so mad. I had to tell you, man. He's got some widow's peak for the ninth time. No, I was, I was I like, was, get Jason Smith Jason off Smith? your head, okay, man. God, Holy. I was so convinced it was him. Um man. And then Indiana, backup for Indiana. So Roy Hibbert was playing there. David West was playing there. 
The third big in the rotation was... Man, looking up Jason Smith, you got to go to page two on Google to see the NBA one. <laughs> it's there's, just all Jason li- Smith, CPA. There's literally got NHL. This guy works for a financial service company. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. Food Network. <laughs> oh, man. This is going to kill me, man. This is going to kill me. This Because this player actually played. You know this guy. No, I know I know this guy. Yeah, he's I, a, I, he's I, very wizardy, though. Like he's it's, very wizardy. He's just what a wizard. What does that mean, He's man? just a wizard from that era. He's a wizard, bro. He, you're he's, a wizard, Harry. He's such a wizard from that John Wall, Brad Beal era. Bro. Oh, my God. I'm down horrendous, man. Let me see if I can give you one more hint to rescue Who else you. was on that Wizards team, man? Okay, I'm going to give you this. Oh, Bradley Beal yeah, I'm gonna give you this Otto hint. and... I'm gonna give you this hint. Okay, give me a give me a wild hint, man. This, this is a pretty good hint. Um, his Twitter handle is French Savage. But, but it's not Yamahimni. French Savage. What? Well, it was French Savage. I just clicked on it. This account doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> First off, not a not a great not a great handle. Let's be honest. Okay. I, I can really can't give you much more than that. So he's French. Who was French coming off that bench, man? The fr- <laughs> Yo, I hope people listening at home actually know this player because the struggle is so fun. Oh, I mean, I'd be struggling with this one, too. I'm not going to Oh, lie. this is diabolical, man. Mm. Someone who's French, a big French guy who was coming off the bench, and it wasn't Yama Himni. Who was it then? Who who are the other French players in the league? Yushan G- G- Yabusele, Garshan Yabusele. That's not him. What? It's before it's way before that time. He's gonna say Yahoo Sports Canada. <laughs> no, man, Gershon Yabusele, man. <laughs> oh my God, I'm gonna be sick too. I I yeah. know I know this player. We're putting, we're putting you on a 60 second clock yeah, for content it's, purposes. It's not Lavoy Allen because he, has, he just sounds French, but he's not. Feel free to um, just throw out names, man. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, honestly, I'm I'm flailing right now, man. Let's let's throw out names. Oh my god! No, to be fair, I did give you Tornik Shangalia one time, so oh, everything's yeah. fair. I game. don't think I don't even think this one is that bad, but I definitely saved it at the end because I know this one's like difficult. Bro, you definitely shoot some mid-range jumpers. What if we just end and I just don't tell you? I guess you could just look. It no, up I'll look it up immediately, man. This, this, it's not joking. <laughs> Noah, who's come off the bench for France? Oh, no, nah, I'm stumbling, man. I, I tap out. Who is it? Kevin Serafin. Oh. <laughs> Yo, that's such a great player, man. No. That's such a great player. Damn. And no, that's, that's it. Crazy. That's we're crazy. out of time. We're, our three options were Hakeem Warwick, Michael Doliak, and Kevin Serafin. No. I'm actually kind of mad at Inga Kevin Serafin, but no, that's this a good was a one. tough that's one. A good one. That's this a good is one. a tough one. That was in my range, too. Yeah. Damn. I don't remember him at all, though, playing against the Raptors. But anyway. That was the news from today. Um, that was our life from today. Um, so yeah, we'll 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 have daily pods. I'm not totally sure what we have planned for the rest of the week, but uh, at minimum, you know, if nothing pans out, Alex will be here. We'll we'll, we'll guess basketball reference players, and we'll see if there's actually a max contract on the table for Fred. Right now, I'm still maybe it's just me, but I just don't believe it, man. I, I don't see an NBA franchise giving Fred the max after this last season. But if there was one franchise, I suppose it would be Houston. But I still think it's a leverage play, just like I think just James Harden coming back to Houston was a leverage play. This might be a last second kind of thing. But again, that's not like that's just my intuition. That's not anything else. Um, but yeah, aside from that, Alex, I appreciate you. You know, it was a great day. A lot of uh, 
giveaways. I'm happy. I'm happy that uh, your Honda Civic's alive and well, and that it only needed a battery change. This guy was talking like his car was gonna die. Like you just needed a battery change. It's back, guys. It's back. I guess the male urge to say the masculine urge to say we're but back. But if anyone's selling used cars out there, let me know. Might be in the market. What, do you, what are you in the market for? A 2001 Honda Civic. So you want another Honda Civic? So what's the point? Like. Like just you don't want like with a less miles or something. The funniest yeah. thing is the last thing was the funniest thing. We got in the car with Elaine, and it was like an Audi or whatever. And like he was looking around and like all the, like the he was like, oh, the you gadgets? got a t- you got a touch screen in here. I'm like, wow, there's a map. You can change the direction where the put, wind you goes. You don't just squeeze your iPhone into the coffee cup holder. Uh, <laughs> there's yeah, you could <laughs> and then turn it Bluetooth? on max volume. You could uh, you could roll down the windows without having to physically roll down the windows, like so. Yeah, anyway, it was a great experience. So thanks everyone for listening. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, we'll have you covered for all Raptors news.